The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Hold your Bible, lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so from what we see uh, from that video, we realize that uh, for us as Christians, uh, the cross is the most precious emblem for us uh, who are saved because of uh, what Jesus did for us at the cross. And so uh, the cross, you know, really we love the cross of Jesus because of what it represents. Uh, It represents forgiveness. It represents our freedom. It represents our redemption. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what Good Friday is and what it represents uh, for us who believe in Jesus the Christ. Now, uh, when Jesus went to the cross, uh, he was not showing us an example of how to live life. Uh, He was taking our place so that we could take his place. Amen. Uh, There are a lot of people that say, well, today is Good Friday. It's the day that Jesus suffered and died. And they turn around and say, now it's your turn to suffer and die. Uh, That wouldn't make the Friday good. Amen. It's Good Friday because Jesus suffered so that we could be free. Amen. So we don't have uh, to suffer. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So let's go to Isaiah chapter number 52, verse 14. Uh, What's so awesome about the story of the cross is that uh, over, you know, 4,000 years before Jesus came, different prophets from different generations, uh, millenniums really, uh, would prophesy all about the same thing. That's what makes the Bible uh, such a powerful book because we have all these different people who lived in different, you know, time capsules, if you will, 100 years, uh, 200 years, 500 years, and they were all prophesying about the same thing by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And one of the things Isaiah began to do in Isaiah 53 was to prophesy uh, what Jesus uh, would do for us at the cross. In fact, let's go to 53 and then we'll come back to 52. Let's go to 53 uh, verse 1. In fact, let's read it. Because I said we should go there and then we'll go to 53, right? So 52, 14 uh, tells us that, you know, Jesus, uh, while he was at the cross, that was just, a, you know, a, a, a snippet of what really transpired, you know. And I know the Passion of Tri- uh, Christ, that was the movie way back then. Uh, they tried to capture really what transpired at the cross. Uh, but even Mel Gibson was interviewed and he said, man, we couldn't capture truly what transpired because if we had done that, the movie would have become X-rated and people wouldn't be able to watch it. And so what we know from history and from, you know, reading scripture in Isaiah 52 verse 14 is that the punishment that went on to our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that punishment which was destined for you and I, which makes Good Friday such a good day, uh, went on to Jesus and it marred him beyond recognition. And so we saw from that video that uh, sin, the torment of sin went into his body. The torment of sickness uh, went into his body. And Isaiah 52 verse 14 says, He was mad beyond recognition. What that meant was he took on his body while he was at the cross every little thing that would torment mankind and paid for their freedom from that very thing. Can I get an amen? And so we see in Isaiah 53, let's go to Isaiah 53. Uh, We're going to read from uh, verse 2, Isaiah 53, verse 2. You know, Isaiah begins to prophesy some more, and this is what he says. He says, talking about Jesus, he says, For ye shall grow up. before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground, uh, he has no form or comeliness. In other words, he didn't stand out uh, physically, you know, in his physical form. Uh, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Next verse. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Next verse. 
Surely he has borne our griefs. This is what transpired at the cross. He bore our griefs. He carried our griefs. And he says, he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. And so this verse, you know, really uh, is, a, is a powerful picture of what the people of the day thought of Jesus when they saw what happened to him at the cross. He says, while he was at the cross, the reality, the truth was he carried our griefs and he he carried our sorrows and bore our griefs he carried the load that was supposed to be carried by you and i the load of sin which we couldn't carry by the way the load of sickness which we couldn't carry the load of the curse which we couldn't carry the load of uh, uh, condemnation which we couldn't carry jesus carried it on his body so that we could be set free but the people who were standing looking on because it was such a graphic uh, thing that happened to him physically on the cross they turned around and said, you know what? He's being smitten by God because of what he did. They misunderstood it and they thought the punishment this severe could only go to a person who deserves it. And so that's what it means here. It says we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. And then he answers uh, this wrong estimation of what's happening in the next verse. Verse 5. He says, but... It was not for his stuff. He was wounded for whose? Our transgression. The reason all of that happened to him was because of what Adam did and what we were carrying. Amen? And so he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, not his. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so we see that what transpired at the cross was what we call the divine exchange. Jesus took our place so that we could uh, uh, take his place. Now let's go to uh, see what, what happened. Let's go to John chapter number 19. Let's go to John uh, chapter number 19. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus took your place uh, spiritually. He took uh, the curse for us so that we could be blessed. Galatians 3.13 says, you know, uh, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. uh, And and now we can receive the blessing of Abraham. Amen. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, Jesus became our sin. And now we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 8 uh, verse 9, uh, it says that Jesus became poor so that we through that might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. While he was at the cross, he died naked and thirsty, which is the extreme state of poverty. And Jesus became that so that we could be set free from the uh, spirit of poverty. In Isaiah 53 verse 5, we just read that. He became or took our sickness on the cross uh, so that we could be set free uh, from it. But here's what transpired on Good Friday while he was at the cross. Uh, While he was at the cross, uh, verse 30 of John chapter number 19. It says, when Jesus therefore had received uh, the vinegar while he was at the cross, he said, it is finished. Someone say, it is finished. He says, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It means, he, you know, he died, right? He gave up the ghost. I was talking to someone. I said, man, my phone is about to give up the ghost. I was talking about my phone. It's about to die. They didn't understand what I was talking about. But here's the deal. is that uh, 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 when Jesus said these words, it was after all of that stuff had gone into his body. Jesus turned around and, say, and said what? It is finished. Now, for many, many years, I didn't understand what this meant. It is finished. You know, I thought it meant I'm finished. Because straight after that, he died. So I thought it meant, I'm finished. That's what I thought. I thought that's what Jesus is saying. But if you look up the Greek word for it is finished, this is actually a bad translation for that phrase, it is finished. The Greek word for this uh, a phrase, it is finished, is tetelestai, which simply means this, paid in full. And so when Jesus said it is finished, what he was saying was, hey, the debt that was hanging over your head has now been paid in full. 
the payment that was needed uh, for you to obtain salvation, not, not just, not just uh, you see, a lot of people live their lives as if Jesus just made a big deposit and now they have to keep up with the monthly installments of religious activities to try and gain God's approval. When Jesus said it is finished, he didn't say this is just a big deposit. There's a difference if someone just goes to a dealership and, and pay a big deposit and say, you know, I'm blessing you with a car. No, you're not. You're not blessing me with anything because I still have to keep up with the monthly things. Yeah. Jesus didn't give us just one big deposit to start us on, on the journey of salvation. No, he paid it in full. Yeah. Amen. He yeah. overpaid it. And so when you receive salvation, you receive the real deal. When you receive it through what Jesus did at the cross, you receive the real deal. This is why you should never put trust in what you do. Because what you do could never cut it. And this is why, you know, actually God gave us the law in the Old Testament, 613 of them plus the 10, right? The big 10. The reason God gave that was so that they could amplify sin and so that they could make us realize that we can't pay the, the penalty with our own strength and with our own actions. The law was so detailed that no one could accomplish it or do what it demanded in their own strength. It was so detailed. The law, the real law, doesn't wait for you to kill somebody for you to be a murderer. Jesus said, if you look at someone hatefully, etcher. If you think, just look, if you just look at a, at a woman lustfully, I'm looking. I'm just looking. Pastor, I'm just looking. I didn't touch. Jesus says, if you just look, and so people thought, the Pharisees thought that they could keep up with the law because in their mind, the Pharisees, like many Pharisees today, they think, as long as I'm not caught. No, no, no. Jesus said, he set the bar so high. He said, if you are a priest and you come into my presence, make sure you don't have a single pimple on your body. You ought to be pure. Just look at your name. Just look at your name. Just look at your name. I say, oh, Lord, man, you had no chance. Just tell them, you, you, you had no chance. That's the truth. Jesus said that the law, the law demanded that the priests, when they would come into the presence of God, they, they would actually wear this linen, Egyptian linen, perforated linen, because the, the law demanded that if you came into the presence of God and, and you break a sweat, you're done. And so the key was, hey, uh, 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 let's, let's tie the leg on the, on the priest's leg so that we can, you know, uh, rub them in once they're dead. Why? Because no one could make the cuts in their own strength. And so the, Jesus here, when he said it is finished, he's referring to the law that was given that we couldn't keep. And so he had to come and he had to uh, uh, pay for that law. And he lived a sinless life so that by the time he went to the cross, he was a, a, a lamb of God, blameless lamb of God, no sin. And this is why John, when he saw Jesus, he says, that's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so because God knew, this is good news, because God knew that the people couldn't keep up with the law, God gave them a, 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 a way out on credit. And the way out for the Old Testament saints was, we already know you've messed up. Even the good ones, and the, we already know everybody has messed up. So in January, everybody was required to bring an animal uh, 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 for a sacrifice, to sacrifice for their sins. Those who thought, you know, they were perfect and those who thought were imperfect. I mean, the, the deal was for everybody. Because the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned. And all have fallen short of the what? Of the glory of God. And so in the Old Testament, because God's love was still, you know, extended to us that way, in the Old Testament, you'd say, instead of you dying, because the wages of sin is what? Death. Instead of you dying, I'm going to ask you to bring a turtle dove. You can bring an animal. And when you bring the animal, we're not even going to waste time trying to inspect you. Because we already know what, what the deal is with you. 
And so when you would bring the animal, they would inspect the person. They would inspect the sacrifice. Similarly, when Jesus died and went to the cross and died for us, God was not inspecting us. Thank God he was not inspecting you and I. And when he inspected Jesus, he found him to be the worthy sacrifice, watch this, to take away the sin of the world. And when Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying, it is paid in full. Amen. Amen. And this, this phrase, it is finished, is loaded with truth of what the cross stands for. You know, the cross is not a, a superstitious object that we use against ghosts. The cross, if you don't understand the truth behind the cross, the cross won't work for you. I thought the cross was just some superstitious, you know, object that we, if you watch the horror movies and uh, I used to say Dracula. My wife corrected me, Dracula. And Dracula would show up, try to eat people, right? Bite them on their shoulder. That's what happened way back in the 90s. Show up, try to kill people, and they'll pull out the cross and just... I tried doing that. I put the cross in my car, and I thought way back, I thought the cross was going to protect me. Man, the car rolled four times (laughs) on the curve. The cross in and of itself, the object, is not what brings deliverance. What brings deliverance is the revelation of what Jesus accomplished for you and I at the cross. Amen? You have to understand what Jesus accomplished uh, uh, for you and I, uh, for you to, to you know, really uh, start taking advantage of these things. You know, there's some things uh, that Jesus accomplished for us, once, we, once you have revelation... It will change your life forever. The cross of Jesus Christ and these words, it is finished, represent his substitutionary work. Now, there are four revelations that we're going to look at uh, this morning uh, of what Tetelestai time means and different, you know, uh, 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 lives and different spheres of life that they would use it back in, in the day. And the reason why Jesus uh, picked this uh, specific word, tetelestai, it is finished, it is because of that. And, and really, as I'm going into this teaching, uh, I also want to, you know, reveal to you that in this very moment, the, the guys at the back could uh, find this scripture for me, in this very moment when Jesus said it is finished, the Bible says the veil in the temple was rent in twain. What that means is the veil was torn in half. Now, this is a big deal. As soon as Jesus said these words, it is finished, and he drank the vinegar or the, whatever, the wine that they gave to him, the Bible says in that instant, in that moment, there was a veil in the temple, and it, it was rent in twain. It tore off its own accord, and, and he was specific. He said it was rent from top to bottom. Is that up there? And he says here, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from where? From top to bottom. The reason he specifies that is because he didn't want, you know, the people in the street to uh, think that, you know, someone snuck up and, and cut the veil from the bottom. He wanted them to realize how supernatural what Jesus had accomplished uh, at the cross was. Now, when we say in English that the veil was torn, you know, a lot of people are thinking of a lace. You know the lace that you have on the uh, curtains at home? No, this veil was a a, a 20 to 30 centimeters thick blanket that separated the Holy of Holies and the outer court. And no one was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. It was a separation between the presence of God and the people. And that veil represented sin. The sin that Adam committed. And because of sin, mankind could never have a full uh, experience of fellowship with God, our Heavenly Father. And God wanted to do something about it. We were outsiders before Jesus uh, said it is finished, paid in full. Amen. Amen? Amen? And the Bible says this 20, 30 centimeter thick thing, which was about, you know, uh, 30 to 60 uh, feet high in the temple when Jesus said, paid in full. That separation of its own accord was torn from top to bottom. And essentially, there was an invitation. Now God was saying to his children, now you can come on in and fellowship with me. Watch this, freely. 
And this is why scripture says in Hebrews 4.16, let us now go in, how? Boldly into the throne room. Now we can go in. Now, before Jesus said it is finished, before he's, that was tongues, by the way. <laughs> Amen. Man, before Jesus said it is finished, you try to go in there, any kind of way, what would happen to you? Get smoked. Now Jesus is saying it is finished, paid in full, and the thing was ripped. Now we can go in. How? Boldly. Why? Because we are not going in based on what we do. We are going in based on what Jesus did at the cross. And so now we can go in boldly. Not, not boldness in what you do because you could still get smoked. Your boldness is not in you. Your boldness is what, in what Jesus did for you at the cross. Man, when we get to heaven and we have this revelation, we'll have boldness. To meet with God, our Heavenly Father. You know, a lot of people growing up, they would make heaven uh, feel like a, a place where you, you join a queue, and, and it's a long queue. It's one of those long queues that never move, and there's a big screen, and the people in front of you, they're showing everything that they did in their lives on the big screen. Ooh, mashi. And you're in the queue, and it's moving slowly. Hey, Pastor H., and the queue is moving slowly. 1,000 people in front of you on the big screen and you're seeing one. No, 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 no. The, the, the only queue you join is to show you what Jesus did for you at the cross. And so you can have boldness in the day of judgment because you're not going based on what you do. You're going based on what Jesus did. Can I get an amen? And so it says the veil was, was rent in twain. And, 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 and God made an invitation. He says, now, come on in. If you read in, uh, let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number 2. He says we were outsiders. Ephesians chapter number 2. Ooh, I didn't have this in my notes, so I may have to just uh, go look where it really is. Ephesians chapter number 2, uh, where it says we were outsiders. Let me ask some of the Bible school students. Where does it say that? They should know, amen? No, watch what it says in verse 2. It says, in fact, let's start from verse 1. It says, and you, as he quickened, that word quickened means to make alive. And so it says, uh, 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 you know, God uh, made you alive. He moved you from a state of death uh, to being alive, amen? It says, you, as he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and in sin, were in times past. Someone saying times past. It says, times past, you walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the children of obedience disobedience and among you also we had our conversation in times past and the lusts of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and uh, of the mind and where uh, by nature the children of wrath even as others but god rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins as he quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Now watch what he says. After all of that has happened, now watch what he says in verse 12. This is where I'm, I'm, I'm driving to. He says uh, that at the time you were without Christ, before you came into the kingdom, watch what your state was. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the commonwealth or the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So he's saying before you came through the, the, the torn veil, you were an outsider. If you read in the NIV, it's, it says you were an alien. It says you were a foreigner. You were an outsider. You did not have kingdom uh, uh, citizen rights. You were an outsider. 
But when Jesus tore up the veil, he upgraded you from being an outsider to being an insider. Hunch your neighbor and say, I mean, we inside. We inside. Man, young people like to say we're outside. We are inside. We are in the covenant. Amen. In fact, if you've ever uh, 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 flown on an airplane, you would know this, that uh, if you fly economy, anybody ever flown economy in here? You would know this. That when you fly economy, you know, you really are an outsider. Uh, the plane would take off. And then when, uh, when the airplane reaches cruising altitude, uh, the air hostesses and the horse will get up and they will close the veil. Now, what happens inside the veil is different from what happens outside the veil. Now, I've never been in, in, in first class or in business, but I've watched what happens on YouTube. No, it's different. No, it's different. In, in economy, you have no options. You get what you get. When they bring food, they come to you, they just say, chicken or beef? <laughs> or vegetarian. They don't even tell you, is it chicken stew, chicken sandwich, chicken, what is it? You, you, and you know, not to ask. You didn't pay enough to ask questions. You're outside. And when they give you uh, cutlery, they give you cutlery. It's, it's plastic cutlery. And then, here's the part that I want you to see. When you're outside, you're in the economy. If you fall asleep when they are feeding the people, it happened to me. We were flying from, uh, we were flying from Los Angeles to Doha with Pastor Henry. We were in the economy. So I fell asleep, and then they fed the people. <laughs> and then when I woke up, I said to Pastor Henry, man, I'm hungry. When are they feeding the people? He said, ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> When, they, when you miss the feeding, you've missed it. That was kind of like the Old Testament. You remember the impotent man who was sitting at the pool 38 years? He says there is an angel that comes and stirs up the water once every year. And he says, if you go in first, what happens? You get healed. He says, I've been missing my chance for 38 years. And Jesus says, look at me. If you've seen me, you've been upgraded into first class. What Jesus was saying to the impotent man was, you don't have to wait for the prophet to come to town. You don't have to wait for the Gregorian calendar to change, for Pastor T to declare this is the year. You can go into the Bible, get a revelation, and declare it yourself. In June, you can declare something. Man, once you get the revelation, see, the seasons of God are not determined by the Gregorian calendar and the turning of the year. The seasons of God are determined by revelation. You don't have to wait until January 2024. Four is the number of, of growth. So this year, number of growth. No, just go into the Bible. If you see healing, you can look at your body and say, the season of healing has begun. When? Namtlange. Today, right now. The season of healing, you can declare it. You don't have to wait until January 1 to declare one thing. One thing. The whole year, one thing. Jesus paid for a catalog of things. Over 2,000 promises. And you're going to wait for the pastor just to say, this year we're going to do one thing. One thing. How about taking advantage of all the promises of God? Amen. Jesus said, paid in full. He paid it all. Amen. Amen. And so if you come to faith, your church, people come and say, pastor, what is this year? The year of, I say, it's the year of everything. Whatever you want from God, go and find it in the catalog. That's what happens in first class. I found out that the people who fly first class get a real menu. <laughs> and they can order what they want. And when they get it delivered to their seat, it comes hot. 
They get real cutlery. It's a different experience. And when Jesus said paid in full, the veil was torn. He looked on to the people in economy and he said, now you've been upgraded. Come on in. And the problem is some of them like their economy seats so much, they're still sitting on their economy seats. He said it is finished. Now they use this uh, in, in different you know, uh, areas of life. And uh, the first one was, in these days, they would use this when a servant was sent on a mission and then later uh, returned to his master. You would say, Tetelest I, meaning I've done exactly what you requested. Or the mission is now accomplished. Jesus, when he said it is finished, he was exclaiming to the entire universe and all of the angelic hosts uh, that he had accomplished the work the Father had asked him to do. Mission accomplished. Jesus accomplished what he had come uh, to do here on the earth. The second thing is uh, when they say tetelestai, uh, this was uh, equivalent of the Hebrew word in the Old Testament that the priest, the high priest would speak uh, when he had represented and presented a sacrificial limp, uh, a lamp without spot or blemish annually, uh, the high priest entered the Holy of Holies where he poured the blood on the mercy seat uh, of the Ark of the Covenant. And once the blood touched the lamp and the, and the mercy seat, the blood of the lamp touched the mercy seat, the, the people would receive the atonement uh, for their sins for a year. And the priest would shout, Tetelestai, and the people would go home uh, set free. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, uh, it wasn't like what the blood of goats and bullocks did. Uh, when Jesus went to the cross, he said, Tetelestai, not just for one year, but for all of eternity. He says in Hebrews 9, 11, 12, But Christ, being come as a high priest of good things to come, uh, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of the building, this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal. Someone say eternal. So what Jesus obtained for us is an eternal redemption. Man, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are served, you are, you are served, served, he serves you, but you are saved uh, eternally uh, uh, for forever because of what he did. And so it's not a conditional salvation. You know, where Monday you, you're saved, and then on Tuesday, if you make a mistake, you're out. And then you have to go see the, the pastor to... Uh, confess all of your sins and then if you miss one you're still out no 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 that's not what he jesus is the one who went in and obtained eternal redemption can i get an amen and so the the third one uh the word tetelestai was used in business in the business world uh to signify the full payment of a debt when a debt had been fully paid off the bill on which the debt was recorded was stamped uh tetelestai so if you went to a bank and you know took a mortgage uh, and uh, at the day that you, you make the final installment, they would ask for you to bring that billfold, and then they would stamp on it, uh, Tetelestai. And essentially, that's what uh, Jesus did for us uh, at the cross. Colossians 1.14 says, In whom, Christ, we have redemption uh, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. We were bought back from the slave market and the dominion of sins. Amen. Uh, it's interesting because uh, when you start to study the law of redemption, uh, one of the uh, key principles of redemption, which is to be delivered or to be set free uh, from the slave system of, of sin, uh, really, uh, one of the things you learn is that because we were slaves uh, to the slave market of Satan, slaves cannot redeem themselves. That's a powerful thing right there to realize that it doesn't matter how hard uh, a slave works because at the end of the month they don't get a salary. They can't pay the redemption price. Amen. And so if the redemption price was 10,000 rand and you are a slave, you know, one of the marks of being a slave is that you don't get a salary. And if you are a slave and the redemption price was 10,000 rand, it didn't matter how, how hard you work in the month. At the end of the month, what's going to be your salary? What are you going to get? Zero. And so you couldn't pay for the redemption. You can't save yourselves. That's why it's, it's, it's futile to think that you can obtain salvation through your own labor and your own works. You couldn't save yourself. Because slaves don't earn a salary. 
So he took an outsider. Why? Because the door out of slavery or out of the slave system has only got one handle and that handle is outside. This is why Jesus had to be born not of the seed of a man, the, the corruptible seed of a man, yet to be born outside the system. That's why he was born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. That's what went into Mary and brought about a conception. That's why the virgin birth is so important to our faith. Jesus had to be born outside of the system. And because of that, he could approach the door out of slavery from the outside and grab the handle and open it and say, come on out. Amen. Now, to try and earn your own salvation is futile. It doesn't matter how hard you, you work. At the end of the month, the salary is going to be zero. So it didn't matter how hard you, you, you fast. No matter how hard you, you, you read the Bible and, you, I mean, do penance. People in, in South America would crawl uh, for, for one, two kilometers, especially during this time, to, to try and earn something. They don't realize that Jesus is saying it's already been paid for. And it's like going to a, a dealership and someone has already paid for, for, for a car for you. In fact, uh, someone was sharing their testimony yesterday. Uh, uh, Ashley, you went to a dealership and you wanted to trade in and get a car or whatever. And the person in the dealership said, man, the Lord just spoke to me. Said I should bless you with a car. Gave him a, a 30,000 you know, US dollar car, a, a Bronco, nice SUV. Gave it to him for free. He didn't start saying, so how much should I pay? Should I mop the floor? Should I? No, 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 just receive the gift. Sometimes when you do all that religious stuff, you look ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't fast. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there's a reason and a purpose for fasting. There's a reason and a purpose for, for, for reading the Bible. And it's only one reason. It's fellowship with the Father. It is not trying to get his approval. He's already approved you because of what Jesus did at the cross. And so we have to fix our thinking. So when we fast, we're not fasting to try and get God's attention or to try and get God to move or to try and, you know, untwist God and, and all these different things. When we fast, it is because we're just trying to hang out with the Father without any distractions from food. Because food could distract. That's all they're saying. When they say fast, that's all they're saying. They say, man, get the distractions out of your way so that you can spend time with God. Man, you should look forward to the fasting time and spending time with God. That you don't see. Most people look forward. They fast with a with a chocolate cake on their uh, a screensaver on their computer. <laughs> and some people just sleep through the fast. They just take a sleeping pill and and sleep from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Just sleep through. That wasn't a fast. That was a hunger strike. And so I tell people, man, make sure you have a day that you're free and open and you're ready to listen. Get a pen and paper. Go to God. Spend time with That's what fasting is for. It is for fellowship with the Father. Hang out with the Father. You should be in so much, when you fast, you should be in so much fellowship that you don't even know, you know, when, man, if you're 359, 450, 50, Food! That was just a religious game. That was an all fasting. Okay, moving right along. Y'all still love me? You know you are left to love me to go to heaven, right? <laughs> and the fourth one, ooh, my time is up. And the fourth one, I'm going to read the last one and then we'll pray and we're out of here. The fourth one, in the classic, uh, classical Greek times, the word titulestai uh, uh, depicted a turning point uh, when one period ended and another new period began. And for you and I, if you read in Galatians 3.15, it says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of man, though it is uh, only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, and he does not say to seeds as of many, but to one, he's talking about Jesus, and to your seed, who is what? Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of the promise. But God gave it to Abraham by the promises. So what happened was, you know, the, the, the original covenant has always been that of grace. 
That's what he's saying. And he's saying the law was added to it as an addendum with an expiry date until the seed should come, who is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, the addendum or the addition was removed so that we could go back to the original uh, covenant of God, which is based on his love and his compassion for you and I. Amen? And so when Jesus Christ died at the cross, he brought about what is known as the new covenant. And so you and I belong to a, a better covenant established on better promises, and it is known as the, the new covenant. Now, there's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And you and I belong to the new covenant of grace. Amen? And because of the new covenant of grace, we are empowered to live our lives outside of the dominion of sin. We don't do what we do because of do's and don'ts. We do what we do because we have a new fuel called the grace of God. Amen. And so now when you're in the new covenant, you know, you are empowered not to last. You don't last anymore because you have a new nature. Amen. Amen. When you are in the new covenant, you are empowered to love unconditionally because the love of God has been deposited on the inside of you. When you are in the new covenant, your life is way above what they could ever achieve trying to keep the law. Why? Because now you have a fuel on the inside of you called grace. You are empowered to live a life above, you know, just the do's and don'ts. Amen. Amen? Now, I meet a lot of people, a lot of people, who, when we teach like this and we tell the man, you are a new covenant uh, creation, you are a new covenant believer, you better realize and understand this. And, and they think we are saying you should throw away the Old Testament. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when you read the Old Testament, you must always read it through the lens of the new covenant. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget the covenant you belong to. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but covenants change, and you have to realize and understand the covenant that you belong to. And so people come to me and they say, Pastor, you don't understand. I do the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelations. This new covenant thing you're talking about? No, I do the whole thing. And I turn around and I ask them, when was the last time you took a, a, a cow for a lamp to your pastor to offer to God? It's there in the Bible. When was the last time you took a turtle dove to your pastor to offer for you? Say, oh no, pastor, I don't do that part, but it's in the Bible. He said, no, I don't do that part. I said, why not? He said, because of what Jesus did at the cross has changed. Well, a whole lot of things uh, changed when, because of what Jesus did at the cross. Amen. 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 So, man, I'm telling you, what makes Good Friday good is we don't have to do it in our own strength. Amen. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. And you know what else Jesus did when he said Tetelestai? He took all of the middlemen out of business. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. What did he do? He took the middlemen. Now you don't, in the Old Testament, they needed a high priest. They needed to go through somebody. In the New Testament, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Now I get disappointed because we have leaders that are trying to add their names in there. And the people trying to add their pastor's name in. They say, I pray to the, to the God of, of Tafara. What, man, leave, get me out of your stuff. Don't get me smoked. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't get me in trouble now. No, don't do that. And it's just pure ignorance. Jesus, when he went to the cross, took all the middlemen out of business. Now you can go to God direct. Well, now why are you trying to go, you know, via, via? I mean, if you want to go to, to Posov and you turn and you go to, why are you going to Douglas? Just go to Posov. And we see people in the church, they're trying to add to it. No, Jesus simplified the thing. He went to the cross. Whoever puts his trust in him can go to the Father based on Jesus and not based on your, you're going to get your pastor smoked. In fact, in the Old Testament, whenever they would say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
it was because they are pointing to a covenant that Abraham, uh, that God tied, uh, cut with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so that's why they said those three. It was in reference to a covenant. And so the children of Israel, whenever they would say, you know, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what they're thinking, they're not thinking Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob personality, the person. They're thinking the covenant that God cut with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, for you and I in the New Testament, he's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not the God of your pastor. Took the middleman out of business. Now, a lot of people don't understand this. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You can go into the throne room of grace. You've been set free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Yes, there's so much freedom in being a new creation believer. And people won't exercise their freedom to hear from God, to hear from the Holy Spirit. People be calling me, talking about, Pastor, I'm trying to buy a car. Should I buy a red one or a white one? Why are you trying to get me into your stuff? He took the middleman out of business. How about you go to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, let's go to the car dealership. And then you touch and then you, you sense. Holy Spirit, he goes with you. You touch it. I don't know anything. Now, here's your pastor. I don't know nothing about mechanics. <laughs> Trying to ask me, should I get a six-cylinder or a four-cylinder? I, I, I don't know. There's only one thing, you know, I, I try and get involved, but I don't really get, get involved. When people come to me, Pastor, you know, I want to marry such and such. So two answers I usually give. I'm telling you in advance. <laughs> the first one is, praise the Lord, go ahead. The second one is, man, pray about it some more. Pray about it some more means I'm not, I'm not a part of the decision. <laughs> I'm not endorsing. Pray about it some more. No. My hands are clean. Pray about it some more. If you pray about it some more and say, Pastor, I still want to go ahead, we'll bless you. But at least I told you. Pray. <laughs> so if you go to your life group leader and you say, man, I want to marry such and such, and they say, hey, pray about it some more. <laughs> Why don't you stand on your feet? We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I'm free. Someone shout, where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Someone shout, I'm free from sin. I'm free from the curse. I am free from condemnation. I am free from guilt. Amen. Do you know that guilt is not a, 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 a biblical uh, feeling? It's not a spiritual feeling. You know, when you feel guilty, Jesus took it on the cross. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And those who are in Christ Jesus, should, there is therefore now zero, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Man, whenever you have a feeling of guilt and you're guilty about this, you're guilty about that, and that feeling is not coming from God. Amen? That feeling is coming from you. Now, this does not mean you should just go ahead and live, you know, recklessly. I mean, they, you can give uh, the enemy place in your life. When you live recklessly, it's literally you can open doors for all kinds of stuff, but it's not God doing it to you. You could give an, the enemy opportunities to just mess up your life. For example, if you are a married man and you run, run around on your, on your spouse, God will still love you, but your spouse will leave you. Was that clear enough? And your children will lose respect for you. Now your children won't treat you by grace. So should your spouse. Your spouse should treat you on conditions. When I tell people, I say, leave him. And I tell them, don't record it. I say, leave him. I tell you in secret. Amen. Now, if you, if, you, if you take this and you, this person, they were driving 75 and 60, and the police stopped him, says, man, why are you doing that? He says, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. The police says, well, you're going to be under grace with a ticket. Amen. Now, when we have grace, it means now we are empowered 
to live above what the law could ever produce. Man, we, we just don't give 10% anymore. We give 50, 100, 80. We were, we, are, we were reckless in our love. We, we're not bound by this. You see, when I was bound by the law, man, I would give God to the penny. I would say, God, your, your tithe is 1,423.22 to make sure that I'm not stealing from you, but I also want to make sure you will not steal from me. <laughs> Such a sorry attitude. That's not how grace people live. Amen? We've been empowered to live free and to even do more so that we can reach a dying world out there. Amen? Man, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for what Jesus did for us at the cross. We thank you that we are set free because of that. We thank you, Father, that we can approach you uh, in the throne room of grace without any uh, inferiority, without any uh, uh, condemnation, without any guilt. Uh, I thank you, Father, that because of Jesus, we can come right into the throne room of grace and have an unrestricted access and fellowship with you. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are bringing these, your children, to the realization of our power and how valuable, how precious uh, what you paid for us at the cross is. Lord, I just thank you, Father, that there is a revelation coming alive in their hearts and that this revelation is bringing healing to some. This revelation is setting those that are bound free, free from their fears, fears of the future, free from their sorrows, free from their griefs, for they now realize that you bore all our griefs and you carry our sorrows. And by your stripes we are healed. The stripes that you took when you went to the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for doing it for us. Thank you, Father, that we have now been set free. Thank you, Father, that we have now been set free to love. Thank you, Father. That in this uh, a time that we live in, the new covenant time, thank you, Father, that our lives and our seasons are not determined uh, by, 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 by the calendar, the Gregory. We don't have to wait for the turning of the calendar, the turning of the economy, the turning of events for our lives to get better. We just have to tap into your promises and receive of your word. And Lord, I thank you this morning, right now, that there's some young people that your, uh, your revelation for promotion and progress is coming alive on the inside of them thank you father that today marks the beginning of a paid for life paid by Jesus in Jesus name we pray and someone shout amen, amen. praise the Lord thank you Jesus hallelujah we hope this message has been a blessing to you thank you for listening to find out more about how you can become a partner visit faithhill.tv today.